Geldon. Gildon. 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 Yeah, that's what I said. Okay, try this. G. G. Il. Il. Don. Don. Gildon. Gildon. <laughs> it sounds exactly the same. I don't know why you're just like going on about this. We've been doing this for like 20 minutes. Can't we just get on with the podcast? Okay. The wheel of time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become legend. Legend fades to myth, and even myth is long forgotten when the age that gave it birth comes again. Welcome to the Weaves of the Wheel podcast, a Wheel of Time community journey through the events of the Third Age. What was, what will be, and what is may yet fall under the shadow. Welcome to Weaves of the Wheel, child. I'm Suanna Sadai. May the light illumine you. And I'm Ashaman Wren. Kneel, or you will be knelt. I liked that. That was nice. <laughs> You're welcome. I've got a whole show packed of this stuff, so I'm glad you liked it. So this week we're getting into Eye of the World, chapters one to four. So we're taking yep. us up to the events of just before Winter's Night. Yeah, that's right. So Winter's Night is like the first big event that happens in Eye of the World. And it is not one to be sort of thrown into a podcast. I think that gets its own show. These Chapters one to four, it's such a, a world setting. Yeah, it sets uh, the scenes, doesn't it, it? it? We're getting introduced to the main characters uh, straight away. We're getting introduced to this world that they live in. We're hearing yeah. new names of places and, and things and events that are happening in this world. We're also getting a little bit of, you know, their history and backstory and legends and myths that they believe in. How did you get on with the audiobooks? Okay, um honest i found it difficult to really get into by chapter two i had switched off right i had mentally checked out and i was like my thought was oh i'll be able to listen to like one to four really easily and then i was like nope apparently it's one chapter at a time for me (laughs) um so that's how i had to do it which was frustrating yeah i had similar like i had planned to spend a morning listening to them so i had grabbed my cinema star sweet popcorn I had grabbed my chocolates and I had a packet of Skittles. Lockdown's I, treating you well, isn't it? Lockdown's treating me awesome. And I grabbed a, like, a, you know, a can of pop. Pop. Uh, yeah, I had it. Oh, by the way, pop, that reminds me. Um, dedicated Mickle actually said that in America they call it pop or soda or soda pop, but commonly pop. So, there. Are you in America? That's not the point. Are you in America? That's not the point. Are the you p- an American? No. Well, then, no, it doesn't count the same way. We have different colloquisms, Ren. Deal with it. No, I'm not. Well, maybe old in the UK, but in America, I'm actually <laughs> You're very hip. youthful and yeah, young. Yeah, exactly. So, hip. yeah. He's so, hip, guys. He, I'm hip. He's like, hip. Not surgical hip. But That's I'm, how old he is. He's hip. Whatever. In, <laughs> if I was in the US, people would understood, understand exactly what I was oh, saying. Oh, we understood exactly what you meant. It's just that it was really old. 
Actually, you know what, Swana? I don't appreciate your derogatory remarks about my age. I'm only okay. a couple of years older than you. Okay. And okay, Sambui. Oh my God, Renbui. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Whatever. But one nil to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. But no, I mean, Camilla said I. She said to me, she said it's a bit of a slob initially when you start listening to the audiobooks. Like it can take a little while to adjust and get used to it and sort of the tempo and stuff. And she said that you know she would tend to find herself in those early chapters having to sort of push through it but then you sort of hit this mark where it's just so good and you can't stop listening so I'm hoping that I'm going to have the same turn of events. Yeah I've, um, I've heard similar what I've been told is if you're actually doing something it's a lot easier to listen to them mm. uh, like for example somebody suggested I think it was actually dedicated Mikkel again he suggested that you should listen to him while driving now being in lockdown my driving is two minutes up to like <laughs> the supermarket so I know I can literally get arrested for driving to, the, to go for a walk could you imagine that with the police it's like, so why are you out here um, I'm listening to an audiobook <laughs> for my podcast, mate. So, yeah, that's yeah. essential. So, Pandemic back off. Problems. <laughs> exactly. So, back off, mate. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm in an area that is so intensely locked down that I can't go anywhere. So, I can't drive anywhere. So, yeah, I am listening to them at home while I'm doing housework. Yeah, I don't do housework. Your house must be gross. But yeah. um, I have listened to them, but it was difficult. You know, actually, in fairness, one point... I did notice about the audiobooks. I listen to the descriptions more. Like, you know, you tend to focus on bits of descriptions more than what you do when you're reading them. You know what I'm like. I don't like reading large text. Yeah. So I tend to <laughs> skim read until I get to, like, something of interest. So if a buzzword turns up, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. You know, I'll start, you know, concentrating what I'm doing. I know. Now. If someone writes something to you... This is, this is a fun fact about Ren. If you write something to him in a block text, he hasn't read it. Nope guaranteed 100%. you need to put one line messages send him 10 messages if you need to just make them all one line otherwise he's not read what you've sent him i would just normally bluff my way through it and just be like oh, that's great son and you know fantastic that's that sounds brilliant yes go ahead with it <laughs> and i'm like i'll deal with the consequences later i'm looking forward to getting into some real meaty chapters because then i think maybe it will be a bit different experience yeah probably. so you know I, i'm gonna i'm gonna wait and find out on this one what did you how did you find the pronunciations i know we <laughs> oh yeah you just like did my head in for 20 minutes before we actually started <laughs> but i'm glad to know that um i'm saying rand correctly yeah matt yeah and Perrin. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I was I was too. I was kind of like, oh, that's good. I did notice, though, we met Lan. Yes. And his first pronunciation was Lan. Yes, but I think that was because it was said by one of the boys or something, right? And it was Lan, and then it was Lan. Yeah. So now we've got Lan, Lan, Lawn. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I am very confused over a three-letter name. Yeah. Yes. Um, the other one, the other one for me um, was Aes Sedai. Now, OK, I know I know I was saying Aes Sedai wrong in my head beforehand. I trained myself a while ago. Mm. I don't know if anyone remembers there was um, or even saw it. And there was this uh, sort of fan made Wheel of Time pilot that was put up on YouTube. Um, I believe it was um, called Flight from Shadow. Oh, yes, yeah? yes, yes. I and I remember, that. like, in the early part, they say, I said I, and that was the first time I heard it. And I went, oh, wait, wait, wait. I don't say I said I. I used to say A, a said, said I. I. <laughs> That's how I say it as well, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I 
I tend to say things as I read them. Yeah. So yeah. But okay, yeah. there you go. Um, a Sedai, fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I Sedai, not a no, Sedai. But I can go. understand why people. I know some people say a Sedai, and I can understand why they do because I used to as well. But I, I've trained myself to say I Sedai since then. Um, but it was a shock to my system. I'm glad it's one I managed to overcome in this. So I wasn't too surprised by any of the pronunciations um, in these early chapters. and But I did notice that he said uh, Tar-Valon. Not Tar-Valon. Tar-Valon, right? Like Tar-Valon. Avalon. Tar-Valon. Yeah. I don't know. Tar-Valan. It, it sounded very... I was like, okay, I wasn't aware of that one. The other one that threw me off was um, Lugard. And I think he pronounced it Lugard. <gasps> Lugard, yes. Lugard, Lugard. I don't even know. Yeah, Lugard. and obviously um, Gildan. Yeah, Gliden. Gliden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a tough one for me as well. But do you know what? At least Tom was pronounced Tom and not Thom. So I'm I'm kind of like really relieved on that one because that was like a really major cause of stress. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, what am I getting myself into? Oh mate, you wait until you get to hear my Tom impression. <laughs> it's gonna be fantastic, lad. <laughs> But yeah, I think we should get into it because we have got four chapters to summarise. So to start this podcast, the first half will be spoiler free. And what we will do is we will break in the middle. And I will put up a a little warning just to say what sort of level of spoilers you can expect in the next part. So you can determine yourself whether it's safe or not for you to continue. Okay, cool. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, so... Let's start with a summary of chapter one. The an Empty Road. An Empty Road. So, The Empty Road starts with the wheel of time turns and ages come and pass and the wind, the wind is rising in the mountains and it's literal goosebumps with this, like, intro. It's so cool. And especially, yeah. Like, I mean, reading it is one thing, but when you hear it start, I was just, like, instantly, like, okay, here we go. It it brings you in straight away, doesn't it? It does. I was second in. But we start on this road and we're in this sort of, like, thoroughly woodland-type area and we've got two men who are travelling down this road, pulling on a horse and cart and the wind is blowing at their cloaks. And this is, like, a total scene-setter moment. It's wind Winter. Apparently, it should be spring, so it's really unnerving, and there's this okay. Factor. You know what? I have to stop you there. I don't think you're even like even getting to the most important part. Okay. They have apple cider. Okay, and that is the key part, right? That's the you don't even need. You know, in fact, we don't even they didn't need to talk. Have apple cider. They had brandy. Apple brandy. I don't know if it was apple brandy. It was brandy. It they're, was a... they're taking brandy. Yes, apple. I don't know if it's apple, but it was brandy. Well, it's hardly... it was cider. I swear it's, it's like... not Somerset. It is. You know what? Pause. I'm going to check my book right now. Okay. Hold on. I know we said audio, but I'm going to check my book. Uh, ah, there we are. Two small casts of Tan's apple brandy. Brandy, thank you. But it was apple. But it was brandy. And it was apple. But it wasn't cider. I'm glad you said that. Rested in the lurching cart and ate larger barrels of apple cider. Boom! You just got got, girl! <laughs> one, one! <laughs> you just got educated. You know what? You should actually, like, you should concentrate. You while you're ahead. Yeah. 
Good point. Go in. <laughs> okay, let me carry on with this. So winter is still here. It's still not. Cool. No, it's not coming. This one just isn't going. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this winter came and it stayed. And it stayed. It's supposed to be spring. It's really unnerving. These two guys are traveling down this road and they're leaving their farm for what we imagine is the first time in a good while. And there's not a joy to be leaving the farm. It seems more of a necessity kind of thing. It's one of those essential trips. Yeah, you know, you get this feeling because you've got Rand's arrow nook and, you know, he's constantly looking and Tam's like looking on one side of the road and are they going to get attacked by bandits or, you know, what's going on? They're feeling a little bit creeped out. Now, apparently these two guys, they're called Tam and Rand and Tam appears to be the father figure. Rand is an adult, but, you know, on the younger side. Uh, so we're Did you? I, I didn't get that impression. When I read that, I thought that Rand was like a youth. No, they say two men. Oh, okay. They say two men. It's not a man and a boy. So they're walking down this road and the younger guy is looking through the, he's peering through the trees. He's kind of, you know, they're on high alert. Yeah. And then through the trees, he sees this black cloaked rider upon a horse. And he is just staring at the two men on the road. And he's just, the hairs on the back of his neck start standing up. The spidey mm. senses are tingling. And he can just sense this hatred just pouring from this cloaked yeah. figure through the trees. And Rand takes a little bit of a stumble, catches himself. And Tam is like, what happened? And Rand is like, look over there! <laughs> look over there, buddy. There's a guy over there. <laughs> he, he is just like, look over there. There's a guy in the trees. When he's pointing there, there's no one there. There's nobody there. There's no one there. The and man don't exist. He don't exist. And Tam is like, okay, um, are you sure you saw something? You Let's know? go check some tracks. Yeah. It seems to be, you know, he, he says, you know, this is this is a day for the imagination taking over a bit. He senses there's a creep factor. Morale's a little bit low. Yeah. Did you really see? So we can go have a look. But, you know, are you sure? Yeah, because, you know, they talk about how wolves have come down from the mountains mm -hmm. and there's bears attacking as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're on alert for, you know, lions tigers and bears oh, oh my, my. <laughs> <laughs> so then rand is like Do you know what maybe i am just seeing things but he knows he knows he saw something yeah and now that he thinks about it the rider's cloak didn't move in the wind and it's Ooh. windy that you know this isn't normal but we then continued the journey and we enter into this like charming village and it's completely different setting it's a completely different feel from this empty road and it's a time of festival there's celebration people should be celebrating that spring's arrival but spring isn't here so people are feeling a little bit like yeah so everyone is feeling a little bit yeah they're not feeling great they're all feeling a bit down the winter blues are, are still in place and it's confirmed by everyone we meet on the way to this in, in the centre of the village. So we meet the Coplins, we meet the Congas. They seem to be some kind of like interbred families. <laughs> uh, we meet a guy called Sen Bui, who just seems to be an old guy who really likes to complain a lot about things, i.e. he's Ren. And we meet... He's got valuable things that he says things that people want to say, but are too afraid to say. No, oh, you keep telling yourself that, Grandad. <laughs> okay. So then we meet Mayor Bran, and then we meet Matt. And Matt is like this man child okay so he comes up with like i've got a badger he's too old to be playing pranks but apparently he's playing pranks okay. but you know what it kind of like lightens the mood matt is like this comic relief and he's like yeah we're doing this we're doing that oh and by the way there's strangers in the village and rand freaks Ooh, rand freaks out and he's like what there's strangers and matt's like yeah there's a man and a woman 
And he's like, does the man wear a black cloak? And Matt's like, wait. He freezes. It's like, well, you saw him too? <gasps> Rand's like, yes. He, what the hell was that? And Matt's like, oh my God, he scared me so much, Rand. I'm absolutely terrified. Yeah, and he's not even afraid to admit. He goes, I don't even care. I was scared. He was scared. He was really creeped out. But notably, he didn't say that he felt this hatred pouring from him. But he said he still really, really creeped me out. But Matt's like, no one's believing him whatsoever on this. So maybe now they will. But Rand's thinking, well, maybe my chances of people believing me are actually less likely now that you're corroborating my story because (laughs) you don't seem like the most... Reliable. Yeah, you're not the most reliable source. So we're then interrupted by Tam, who's like, hey, guys, you're going to unpack this car? and then you can see the Gleeman. <gasps> the Gleeman. This is a big deal. Apparently there hasn't been a Gleeman come to Eamonsfield in like 10 years. But this year is going to be a great bell time. So chapter two, Strangers. This chapter starts with random Matt finishing with the apple brandy and apple cider, Suanna. Okay. Down to the cellar. There's a council meeting going on and Rand notices that one of the council members is staring daggers at Matt. Rand is like, What's up with Master Luhan? Master Luhan's the blacksmith, right? Yeah, he's the blacksmith, so hard and strong. Not somebody you want staring daggers at you. And Matt's like, ghost dogs. Rand's like, ghost dogs? Matt's like, yeah, ghost dogs. But not really ghost dogs. They are Master Luhan's dogs that are covered in flour. <laughs> Rand's like, what? I told some of the boys there was ghost dogs to scare them. But when I covered the dogs in flour, they ran back to Master Luhan's house and covered it in flour. <laughs> Mrs. Luhan went bonkers. Understandably. And chased Master Luhan out of the house with her broom. This is the best part, by the way. This is my favourite part of this exchange here. Matt's like, it ain't even my fault. She left the doors open. Classic, yeah. Classic. <laughs> then one of the youths of the village, Ewan, comes running to Rand and says, They're strangers in the village. <laughs> <laughs> Rand and Matt are like, You too. Oh, was his coat black? Did his coat move? Ewan's like, Now nah, his coat is green and brown, and she is fit, fam. Her name is Moraine. <laughs> So her name's Moraine, yeah? Her name's Moraine. Yeah, I bet the Eamonsfield could do with some uh, more rain for their crops. Oh, no. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Um, I've, you know, I don't even know what happens in chapter now. Yeah, all right. And the guy's name is Lan, Lan, or Lorn. You pick. Confusing. Yeah. Ewan then says, Nynaeve don't like Moraine. She called her a child. Oh, that's not good. That's not good. Yeah, Nynaeve is not going to appreciate being called a child at all. It's like it's hard enough that she's a young person who has to have so much responsibility and then it's like you get called a child as well. What we've heard about Nynaeve so far, yeah, she doesn't take kindly to nonsense. (laughs) Anyway, so then we meet a raven, a black raven, chilling, watching and listening to the stranger banter. And Matt's like, I don't like this bird looking at me and judging me. So he throws a rock at it. The raven just steps to the side like like Neo from Matrix. Like, what? Have you seen a bird do that? And then we hear a voice. A vile bird. It says. And the raven's like, Squaw! and flies off. Enter Moraine. She looks graceful, ageless and is wearing the finest garments. She then is like, I need some help with things and gives them all a coin for the services and says to Rand and Matt, there's a bond between us now. Rand then addresses the low part in the room and says, hey Moraine, why are you here? This place sucks. 
I am a collector of stories, and this is an area of great history. Of great history. The boys are like, for real? Nothing ever happens here. Hence, ghost dogs and badger in a sack. Moraine has that smug, eye-sedai look and says, You'd be surprised. Yeah, and then, do you want to read that passage, Suana, like from the book? As the wheel of time turns, Moraine said, half to herself, and with a distant look in her eyes, places where many names, men, where many faces, different faces, but always the same man, yet no one knows the great pattern the wheel weaves, or even the pattern of an age. We can only watch and study and hope. Wow, that gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we pick it up as she leaves, and out of nowhere, this man appears and follows her. This guy's Lan, and is a proper geezer. He has a sword and a grey, green, brown cloak. He looks like the type of guy you want on your side in a tavern brawl. The kid Ipwin then says, that geezer could be a warder. Matt around start laughing and say, don't be a flaming twat. Warders stay up north fighting Trollocs. Epwin then says, yeah, but he could still be one. Matt says, dude, warders wear gold armor. Did he have gold armor on? No, so he isn't a warder. That guy is a straight up geezer. <laughs> the chapter then ends with random Matt looking at their coins, which is worth a lot. Enough to get a horse and still have some change. Welcome to Club Cheddar. But they decide to keep it to remember their bond with Moraine. And then you hear some rabble and commotion and there's a fella riding down the road. Enter the peddler. And that brings us on to chapter three. So yeah, like you said, the peddler has arrived. He's being drawn by eight horses with a big giant cart. He's, eight horses. He's kind of a big deal. And the villagers, are they're all gathering and they all want the tea, among other things. But they're really thirsty for news. Like, they're in this little isolated village. And finally, we get to meet Perrin. Yes. So Perrin is Random Matt's friend. He appears to be of the same sort of age. And he's quite, like, big built, stocky guy. He's, and like, the sensible one. He seems to be the sensible one. And he's like, hey, guys, having a good bell time? And the peddler calls for silence. And he's obviously a little bit of a showman. Like, you can see that he's going to give them the news, but he's going to tease them a little bit about it. Have you had a bad winter? Has it been tough for you guys? Well, it's nothing. You think that's bad? Well, it's bad everywhere. There's wolves everywhere. You don't have it bad at all. There's people who would love to have it as bad as you do. It's worse out there. It's much worse than just a late spring. Yeah, and he then goes on to say, like, in the borderlands, they will call the weather you're having here summer. Yeah, so, it's a heat wave. Yeah, so yeah. get over yourselves. But then Senbui steps up and he's like, okay then so what's worse you know he's gonna bite and this peddler is like i'll tell you what's bad dun, it's dun. war dun, dun, dun. and false dragons <gasps> and he can channel what and the eyes said i have left tarvalon no way i do know he said too casually that he can wield the one power the others couldn't but he can channel the ground opens beneath his enemy's feet and the strong walls crumble at his shout. Lightning comes when he calls and strikes at where he points. That I've heard, and from men, I believe. And that is like, whoa, whoa. What does it mean? Like, what is the one power? Like, for me as a reader, I'm like, what is the one power? But he says the war is in... Gleden? 
It's in Gildan, and that's maybe not too far, and they are shook. So people start shouting for more information. They're yelling at the peddler. They're yelling at each other. They're yelling at the council. And Matt's in the background like, this is amazing. I'm having a really great time. <laughs> this all goes on until the mail tells everyone to, shut up! We need to find out more information. And off they go into the wine spring inn to have a little chat, and they leave the boys outside. The people are like, why you take him in? We want to know what's going on too. Everyone wants to know what's going on, but the council are like, we're going to get the information first and decide just what of it you Typical know. bureaucrat. But they go inside the inn and we got left with the boys outside and they start having a little conversation. And this is where we learn about the story of the dragon, how he will come at the time of need and he will destroy us all and he will defeat the dark one. No, wait, he is the dark one. Hang on a minute. Yeah. You shouldn't name the dark one. No, don't name the dark one. Enter Nynaeve. Oh, here we go. Well, they say name the dark one and she will appear. <laughs> but we meet Nani. Yeah, and then she's like, you're an idiot, Matt. She's ready to box some ears yeah. and kick some ass and she's all out of ears. So Nynaeve comes and she's like, you boys need to like shut the hell up. Who's naming the dark one? I'm going to beat you with my big giant stick. And then we also meet Egwene. And Egwene is sort of standing behind Nynaeve and Ran notices her and we get the impression that Ran's kind of really hot for her. Yeah. Yeah, just a bit. And Nynaeve is like, what are you doing? Where's the peddler? Is he in the inn? He's with the council. There's war. They're getting the facts. And Nynaeve is like, well, somehow they're going to mess that up. So she goes off into the inn and she leaves Egwene behind. So Egwene is like, Ran, Rand, you need to stop messing around with this man-child Matt and grow up, yeah? And Rand is like, will you dance with me at that time, please? <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'll be busy in the morning, though. And she throws back her hood and her hair, which apparently normally hangs, like, loose around her shoulders, is now braided. Apparently that's a big deal. Apparently that's a huge deal. It's like, boom, mic drop. It's like a signal that she can get married now. And that's a signal for me to get that light out of there. <laughs> it's like, it's a a trap it's a trap <laughs> <laughs> but she's kind of like yeah i might not get married though i kind of want to be a wisdom and rand is like yeah but nanive is like she's super young and she's gonna be like the wisdom forever and she's like <laughs> okay rand i'm going places i'm not staying in this village and there's plenty of other places i can go and be a wisdom so rand who we guess had planned to marry this girl at some point has just had his world like shook but he's interrupted by his mates you know matt like throws an arm over him who's like Perrin got a coin too and he saw the rider apparently Perrin is like a way more credible source and he told the blacksmith and the blacksmith is now like walking around like his biggest hammer he's on high alert yeah he's like I'm ready to like smash something yeah and Egwene you know Matt didn't like try to be quiet about this he's obviously excited he's, he's a very excitable person and Egwene is like what are you talking about and so they tell her and she's like you guys are so dumb people ride horses round you know it's not a big deal that's um, you're idiots, grow up, stop causing panic and fear, people ride horses. But while she's yelling, they are interrupted by this old man being chased out of the wine spring inn and he is covered in his cloak of patches and colour and now we get into chapter four. The Glee Man, I'm going to enjoy this one so I don't, <laughs> I don't know, this one's going to be fun. So chapter four, The Glee Man. The chapter starts when an old spry man in a colourful cloak is being chased out the inn. He's not best pleased with it and is like, What type of backward inbred place is this? Some bellow with a stick threatened to hit me. Rand and Gwen are like super embarrassed and they say that's the wisdom. The guy's like, Wisdom? She is too young and she'll be out flirting with the boys. Ew. <laughs> Rand and Gwen are like, 
Don't let her hear you say that, man. Brandon asks, Yo, man, do you know about the war? Gleeman's like, War? Bruv, that's old news. Even them peeps in Baylor know that. And trust, they know nothing. And this is where he says that iconic line to her. And I do want to just read that. In wars, boy, fools kill other fools. Or foolish things. Your Gleeman impression's better than mine. I, I don't like that. <laughs> Thank you. Then he says, "Was that Bane I saw? I don't like him. They probably he probably owes him money or something." <laughs> you can't trust a peddler. Rand and Egwene like, "No, we really like him." Then the Gleeman turns his attentions to Egwene and says, "She's the prettiest girl. You fine, and I dig your style. Come be my assistant. We can perform it." High chance style. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's wonderful. I love that. <laughs> Carry on. He then looks at Rand and says, Yo, you are as tall as an Aeel. And then says, Perrin, you are as broad as an Ogier. The Glee Man then introduces himself as Tom Movolo Riddle. Wrong book. Tom Marilyn. He introduces himself <laughs> as Tom Marilyn. <laughs> Tom then notices a crowd gathering and being the showman he is, begins to do some flips and juggles and as he's flipping and then all of a sudden Tom freezes mid-juggle. Lady Moraine has appeared. Tom does a bow like he recognises her and says, Forgive me, you're not from around here. And she's like, No. They have a back and forth and then says, The world is a dangerous place for strangers. And walks off. There's a little bit of hint that they might be some recognition here right yeah it does seem here tom recognizes something in moraine he is mm. either impressed to see a lady yeah. in this place or there's a familiarity we're not sure yeah not yet then the council leaves the inn and i need who should be flirting with boys Ugh. is screaming at the mayor that she doesn't like moraine and land and the mayor responds i like them i do they don't yell at me right so the boys then ask tam for the deets and tam says just some information on battles nothing too important matt then says battles, battles interest, interest me. me yeah tam and rand are then going to head back to the farm before they leave matt rand and Perrin agree that they're going to find some other lads who saw the rider and then go to the mayor as they are traveling tam then asks rand who else saw the rider rand has a moment of relief like you know a big weight's lifted because off his you believe me now yeah. oh yes and he feels like a weight's lifted off his shoulder and then and it's this nice little passage which sort of encapsulates what this village is all about. So Anna, do you want to just read that? That others knew and believed made all the difference. There was nothing the black-cloaked horseman could do that the people of Eamon's Field could not handle together. Yeah, see, I think that's a solid way to end the paragraph. Yeah, there's, the such chapter, a, sorry. there's such a wonderful sense of community. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we've got you... Together, we're strong. We're stronger together. We can overcome anything. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, me too. And that concludes chapter four. Okay, so that's the summary of chapters one to four. Yeah. We've met all these people. We've got a really good sense of what this community is like. They're very, very tight-knit, but they're also very isolated. Yeah, and they don't really take kindly to strangers. They do, but they don't. Like, they're accepting, but they're a little bit like... Mm. Yeah, I think the isolation shows because when a stranger comes, it's like, oh, there's a stranger. It's, it's the big deal. It's the big news. Yeah. They're really excited. They're going to be celebrating this Beltane Festival. There's strangers and a gleeman, fireworks and a peddler. It was going to be the best Beltine ever. 
So this is your spoiler warning. From here on out, we will be discussing spoilers for the Wheel of Time series. In this particular episode, the majority of the spoilers come from New Spring and Eye of the World. However, there are a number of references from later books that extend all the way up to Book 13, The Towers of Midnight. So if you wish to continue, you have been warned. Strangers and a Gleeman, fireworks and a peddler. It was going to be the best bell time ever. Well, that was a bloody lie. <laughs> but that's next week's... That is next week. Yeah, where we'll be talking about Winter's Night and the events leading straight after it. Yes. For this part now, we're going to really just dive into the meat of these chapters. Yeah, and I know like you've been itching this stuff that you want to really discuss. So go for it. I'll Go for it. Okay, mainly the Merdral fades oh they are there's something so interesting about these creatures because there's so much that's not written down or understood yeah and because of that we get to theorize so much so shadow spawn like murderals were created by agonor yes but agonor didn't necessarily understand murderal entirely either so there's a chapter in path of daggers and it's uh it's about grendel and grendel is sort of musing about these creatures and she right. she says agonor had thought the creatures were not in the world in the same way everything else was slightly out of phase with time and reality that basically tells us that even the Forsaken didn't understand the Merdral. Yeah, so Agonor has created something which I don't think even he actually realises what he's created. Well, he kind of didn't really create the Merdral. He created the Trollocs. Yes. And the Merdral are offspring of Trollocs. What? Yes. So, so hold on. So two Trollocs have a baby and that's a Merdral? No. So Trollocs are created via genetic engineering process and what you have is some form of hybrid crossbreeding. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I know um, you're a biologist. Let's keep this simple for us who don't really care. Okay, <laughs> try not to bore the audience Try not to bore the audience. <laughs> yeah, but Trollocs are a hybrid and therefore Merdral are a mutation of the hybrid. So not all Trolloc babies are Merdral, so that would be incorrect to say. Right. Trollocs are made from the genetic material of humans and animals, yeah. but also I'm assuming some form of magic because while crossbreeding is a very real world possibility, crossbreeding outside of a genus is actually really not possible in this day and age. Yeah, so so a liger, for example, is a cross between a lion and a tiger, yes. hence liger. Yeah. But you couldn't cross a lion with a wolf. No. Yeah, so... No. Not Certainly not in any natural process anyway. It would, it would un, it'd be unlikely to survive the process Yeah, well. you'd need the one power or the true power to yeah. pull that off. Yeah, so it's either suggesting that the one power or probably more likely the true power is used here, or it's a way to suggest that the advancements of the Age of Legends is far superior to that of the real world that we actually know. So Trollocs are human and animals, so like man, bear, pig. Yeah, just like man, bear, pig. Exactly that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, they are hybrids. And Merdral are described as the offspring, but they're basically a mutant variant of that. Oh, right. So it's one where the human trait of the Trolloc is much stronger um, or has become much more apparent. It's rare, but it's a totally plausible outcome of large-scale crossbreeding. Yeah, and I suppose if you extrapolate that into the real world, it's like when you have family members who all have brown eyes, but then you have the one kid who has... Where the blue-eyed trait yeah, has, blue has reared itself again. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. But furthermore, uh, this mutation just seems to carry some unexpected 
traits. So Myrtle are actually connected to the power. And that's really unusual because Shadowspawn actually can't channel no. or sense or connect to it in any way. Because they're outside of the natural cycle, you know, they, they were made in a lab, so to speak. And the power is actually a natural phenomenon that occurs via natural breeding. Right. Shadowspawn just have no connection to the one power in any sense. Right. However, mutations are totally natural. Yes. That's a thing. That's I mean, evolution. That's evolution. So it seems that in some way the power is finding a way to present itself here in this mutation. I have even heard that there are theories that suggest that the human stock used in the initial experiments was perhaps that of a channeler. Um, so it could suggest the genetic trait to channel. Yeah, that would make sense because... The likelihood is the channelers were the ones that were doing these experiments. Well, so. Agenor was. So, yeah. I mean, it's very possible that Agenor used his own genetic material. Oh, these are all offsprings of Agenor. Go, Agenor. Go, Agenor. <laughs> Spreading his seed around. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I think, Cross species. I think that's entirely reasonable. Another theory I have heard as well is that um, the Merdral were born with this human stock appearing more um, present because they are Trollocs that would have been born with the ability to channel if they could channel. You wouldn't want to give something the ability to channel if you can avoid it. Imagine Trollocs that could channel and you couldn't control them mm. or a Midral that could channel and you couldn't control it. That's just asking for trouble. But there, I mean, there's, there's, there's so much you could explore with this. Okay, so it's not... Um, a human and a Trolloc reproducing, that's not happened. Because that would I, be terrible. Because <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, there's been instances where I've woken up in the morning and I'm like, uh-oh. How did you <laughs> end up in bed with a Trolloc? <laughs> yeah, like, you know what? It happens, all right? You know, But in my defence... This happened to the best of us. In, in my defence, I'd had a few Stellas, so yeah. And I was like mixing my liquids and sometimes, you know, you don't really understand what's happening. But anyway, the thing that fascinates me mostly about Fates is the fact about their cloaks not moving. Yeah, that's where um, in that paragraph in uh, Path of Daggers, it says they are slightly out of phase with time and reality. So almost like the Dark One in his prison, right? Because that's sort of described as... Yes. Yeah. And... The fact that they can sense channelers, but they can sense both, suggests that it's a connection to the true power rather than the one power. Yeah. And, you know, Robert Jordan, he did take a lot of this from the real world. Mm -hmm. So in um, certain, like, cultures around the world, there's these species called jinns. Yeah. And jinns are supposed to live, like, outside of this plane. So they're still in this plane, but they're outside the plane. I think it's sort of described as they know what we're doing, but we don't know what they're doing. The, you know, if all of a sudden a fade's there and then, you know, then he disappears, it's almost like they're stepping through phases. Right. Okay. Which is sort of similar to what a jinn is. Okay. I'm not, I mean, that's all I sort of know about jinns. I don't really know too much about it. No, that's, that's very interesting. And we do know that Robert Jordan drew on a lot of inspiration from different religions and yeah. cultures from around the world. So yes. it is quite probable that it was based on that. Another parallel is um, the Dementors in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although this one was actually in inspired by the fades yeah. did you ever read the dementors in harry potter and think oh wow you're a fade kind of. yeah i was like i looked you know they, they describe the description is pretty much like fades right the same yeah the feelings and you get are the, the same feelings and the the, 
sense of hatred or the sense of fear and everything. Yeah, because yeah. the boys even say that I was scared. Yes, you know, like Matt says, I was scared, They're fam. I'll... that. But the thing is, these dementors are not scared of bright, shiny lights, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... and no amount of chocolate is going to cure them. <laughs> <laughs> No chocolate is going to help. If a fade's got you, you are in big trouble. Yeah. You know, you can't just pick up a Twix and be like, there you go, I'm all right now. <laughs> it does make you think that Agenor potentially created uh, the Trollocs with the true power rather than the one power. Yeah. And therefore, the evil that taint, what taints the Trollocs is what taints the Murdral is from the Dark One himself. And I'm just going to read this uh, line from The Companion, and it says, Merdral could become all but invisible in shadows. They had a trick of seeming to vanish while remaining right there. Entering a shadow, they could travel in a way that not even the Forsaken understood to another shadow far distant. Merdral could cloak themselves and their mounts in silence, so not even their horses' hooves on paving stones could be heard. I mean, so they can travel in a way. I mean, that does suggest they're linked to the true power. I'm sure there's a ton of stuff out there that we could actually read, but I don't want to spend absolutely ages on it because we've obviously got other things to digest from these four chapters, but Merdral are certainly far more interesting than some of the other shadow spawn, I find. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, in Chapter 2, The Strangers, we meet Moraine. And Moraine gives Rand, Perrin and Matt a coin, a silver coin. Now, with this coin, she says that there is now a bond between us. Mm. And we see later on how she uses these coins to locate them. Now, Suanna, explain that to me. What's going on there? Well, it's difficult to say entirely. I think there may be compulsion being used here. Right. There's certainly a suggestion of compulsion um, at the end of Eye of the World. Uh, Moraine says to Rand, after I gave you the token, you should have been ready to fall in line with whatever I wanted, but you resisted. Right, okay, so I didn't realise that if you... Like, I mean, this coin, I'm assuming, is just a normal Tarvalon mark, a silver Tarvalon mark, well, and she this, was able to... The thing is, is there's, there's something here. Okay, she gives them a coin. Yes. Yes. And they feel very compelled to hold on to that coin. Yeah, I mean, they could spend it because they say there's enough to buy a horse. But they don't want to spend it. No. For whatever reason, they want to keep it and they very much believe it's their idea to keep it. And that's what's very interesting there. That's what makes me think, okay, there's some form of mild compulsion. And certainly in the later books, when we meet Verin, for example, Verin has a very interesting way of using compulsion that's not within the normal range. It's a very mild form. So normally compulsion requires like a spirit and water and air I believe I have no idea but Varen's form of compulsion required the use of all five powers right but her form of compulsion was also very very mild the the person you used it on had to be very susceptible to you had to be very trusting of you right. it certainly wouldn't work on anybody so it could be that Moraine has learned this form of compulsion and is using it in this instance okay I mean we don't know I mean they we, don't really go into it and we don't know all, all is, we have is that is it compulsion that's the other thing is it it compulsion compulsion. the token itself i don't believe 
is causing the compulsion. The token in itself, I believe, may be um, either a, a certain terangrial that is trackable or more likely uh, something called a finder weave. It's basically just a weave of spirit and it's quite similar to the water bond, but you can actually place this weave on objects and you can track those objects. Right, so like a find my phone app, right? Yeah, <laughs> you it, draw, it's you know. exactly that. So, the, so she could then track whether the boys are with these coins and that seems like it's a very, very likely thing but I do think it's more than just that. I do not believe the finder weave on its own would make the boys go, oh, I don't want to spend this, I must keep this. You know, one thing that's um, occurring to me is that Aes Sedai are told that compulsion is, you shouldn't use compulsion, basically. Absolutely. But it seems like every Aes Sedai uses compulsion. Is uh, it like... There are loopholes everywhere. <laughs> you make your own form of compulsion and you can use that one. You just don't use the See, bad forbidden one. <laughs> this is why you can't trust Aes Sedai. Can't trust them. It's like what you think you hear isn't actually what you hear. It's like, <laughs> are you going to put compulsion on me? Absolutely not. Because in their head... They're not like, going to put that form of compulsion yeah, on it's you. Like, I'm not doing compulsion. This is more of a persuasion. <laughs> yeah, a suggestion, a persuasion. I'm a persu- Perfect. Yeah, perfect. That, that's that's what it is, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. The other thing is, meeting Moraine, how did Moraine get to the two rivers? Yeah, that that's a very good point. Like, you know, I mean, from if you look back at New Springs, mm-hmm. she's recently been raised to Aes Sedai. Mm-hmm. She has heard that foretelling by Gitara. Yeah, Gitara. She meets um, Lan and Bonds Lan, and then it's like they're just travelling around. They're on a mission. Yeah. So how do you go from all that and just end up in this backward village in the middle of nowhere? You know, like, how does that happen? Well, one thing Moraine had as an advantage was that list of children that were born in the area on that day. So she had sort of like a, a 10-day period lists that she had access to. Oh, so God, she, yeah, she... I hated that part in New Springs. I swear, I just couldn't get past that part. I hate that part. <laughs> it's, like, it's so boring. <laughs> so she had this list and she was certainly working from those so she would have been ticking names off for a very very long time eliminating as many possibilities as she as she could however we know it was also a time of war it was the end of the Aiel war so yeah. there was so much that was unaccounted for there were so many people that may have had children and left immediately as is in the case of Rand that never actually went to collect the coins from the White Tower because they were already long gone right there are things however this is this is a very interesting point she says I'm a collector of old stories. Yeah and being an Aes Sedai you've got to sort of take that as the truth. That is the truth. Yeah. There's no hidden meaning in that. We can take that as gospel. So we understand that she has been track and tracing this this child for so long. Now there is actually a line uh, in the I don't know if I'm going to say this right, the Carathian cycle in the prophecies. Right, yeah. So it says, On the slopes of Dragon Mount shall he be born. Yeah. Which Moraine knows. Yes. Born of a maiden wedded to no man. Now a maiden suggests an Aeel. Yes. Yes. He will be of the ancient blood, the ancient blood being the Gen Aeel. Right. And raised by the old blood. Now, in the later chapters, we hear the story of Manithrin and how Manithrin is the old blood. So that's how she's come to be in Eamon's field. So Taisha Manithrin. Yes. So we know she's been tracing this. All the things in between we're unsure of. We do know that Robert Jordan was planning 
planning on writing three prologues. So New Spring was the first of three. Right. However, sadly, we didn't get the other two. And that's a shame. Big shame. But yeah. we do know she has narrowed it down to these three boys in the two rivers who are born ten days apart. Yes. Right. We know she's limited it down to these three boys. She's she has had a conversation with Nynaeve. That's how she pissed off Nynaeve. <laughs> yeah. But she did have a conversation and she was able to dig out enough information that these three boys, Matt, Perrin and Rand, were born 10 days apart. So they fit her window. So that's why those are the three that get the coin and those are the three that she's most interested in. Yeah, you know, like later on in the books, you have people that can see Taveran. Yes. Do you think Moraine had a bit of that? I don't think so. Let's be, look, there's so many boys that age, right? Mm-hmm. But yet she narrows it down to these three. I do not think it's Taveran. I think it's hard work and research. I think she has worked hard. I don't think her, I don't think it should be undermined by a plot fixer. I mean, at the end of the day, Taveran is this um, deuce ex machina. I never even heard of that term before. I <laughs> thought you were ordering something. I thought, yeah, okay, I'm going to order the same then once we get off the podcast. What is it, chicken? <laughs> <laughs> but it's I think I don't think it does her a service to say that she solved the unsolvable just because of Taviran. I okay. truly believe she worked hard, she did her research, she studied her ass off and yeah. I believe that she, you know, got to the place where she needed to be and she got her reward at the end of the day. And that's what it comes down to. I disagree. I think what happened was Rand, Perrin and Matt were meant to leave two rivers mm-hmm. and I think Taviran kicked into place and she just happened to have been drawn in. Basically I just reckon Taviran did it I don't think it was her hard work I think literally she got lost and they came to this village because it was Belltown they're like why don't we just stop here for Belltown and then we'll get back on the search and then there you go you are so wrong and also you know what another thing that's been bugging me right is I don't like how the women in Emmonsfield Two Rivers bully the men well they shouldn't be such light blinded fools then like, like, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? I literally sympathise with every woman in the You meet rivers. You meet the Congo lad, Wit Conga, mm-hmm. and he's like expressing how the wisdom is like being abusive, you know, she needs to chill. And then his wife comes out, Daisy Conga, and she's like, well, you could cook your own food and clean your own sheets. It's like, what? Where's that necessary? Then you got Master Luham, who like, let's, he's the big man, he's a blacksmith. And Mrs. Luhan's like beating him up with a broom and he's scared to go home, right? And then you got Nynaeve like shouting at the mayor it's it's basically just the women of emmons field are oh, just i understand what you're saying however you're looking at it like the guys haven't done anything wrong well how is uh, it wrong when you just how naive is not being irrationally angry yes she's, she is. no she's not she's constantly being told that she's too young and she needs to go and get laid because <laughs> then she won't be so angry but it's like and hey, doesn't she chill out afterwards but do you know what any woman being told hey you just need to go and get laid is going to get really angry okay all right naive aside because i've sort of got a soft spot for her anyway but what about daisy conga right what about mrs luhan but it just seems to me that that's a general thing in what bully the men it seems to me like it's a very general thing for the women to be told that hey you know you're so pretty maybe you should just go and flirt with the boys rather than actually being taken seriously for their talents and their capabilities and at the end of the day you cannot argue this Nynaeve is an incredible healer she is far more advanced than any healer they've ever had I'm not disputing the healing and yet she's being told by a gleeman who does 
doesn't even know her that she just needs to go and flirt with some boy rather than actually do what she's really, really yeah, good at. I it's undermining no, her you're, potential. I'm sorry, you've just taken this in a completely different tangent. No, right? I've just corrected you're, you. No, you haven't. You haven't yes, corrected have. nothing. All it's all I'm saying is that you know some of the women just need to chill. I mean, Nynaeve doesn't have to call um, the mayor an idiot. You don't know what actually provoked that kind of reaction. Yeah, but he's the mayor. She doesn't need to call him that in front of people. You know, she doesn't need to whack people on the head. And nobody's questioning her healing. All the comments are coming from her, like saying that we're going to have a short winter. And then when they ask her what's going on, I'm why sure we still that's got just the thing that day. Oh, we're annoyed about this. Another day, it's something else, and they are questioning her healing because they're who's con- questioning her healing? All of them. They're saying she's too young to be a wisdom. Too young to be a wisdom does not mean you can't heal. It's saying that you're not good enough no, to do this job. Say- no, I disagree. Yes, it is. I disagree, right? And hear me out. They are referring to in this instance is if there was somebody who was a few years older, they would respect and talk calmly and articulate their points better than threatening to whack somebody over the head with a stick or calling them an idiot. That's what they mean. They're not saying that she's not good enough to be a healer. They're just saying that she doesn't have the maturity currently to be to a wisdom. To, yes, or that. Okay, way. no, I could actually agree with you on that on that respect. Thank you. Because she is very very good at her job. Very very good. But she definitely doesn't have people skills definitely not and like somebody else like some other people I know uh, <laughs> if that's aimed at me boy I'm gonna beat your head in with a stick boy boy <laughs> are you calling a boy but I do I do understand because there is a there is a youth and naivety about her that she does get angry rather than being actually able to handle people a certain way and that's something that does come with Asian experience so yes I will give you that but the rest of it you're completely wrong on let's move on to chapter <laughs> okay. three I'll take that yeah let's move on to chapter three <laughs> so so, um, we meet Egwene in chapter three. Yes, we do. We do, and um, we we meet we meet Nynaeve in chapter three as well. But we've heard an awful lot about Nynaeve at this point that we yeah. feel like we already know her anyway. Uh, but Egwene, she has a very long braid, and apparently that's a very very big deal. The braid is yes. Okay. So the braid means that she can get married. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I've got to actually go. <laughs> it's like oh. Damn. But so this is in uh, the two. Rivers. This is a tradition that women, when they turn a certain age, they wear a braid. They can braid their hair. They can braid their hair. Okay. This is a great honor to be able to braid your hair. Um, now, she also says, I'll be busy in the morning, as if she wouldn't normally be busy in the morning. Now, this is something, if anyone has the young adult version of Eye of the World, there's a different prologue. So, Dragon Mount is actually replaced by another prologue called Ravens. Oh, yes, yeah. I've heard of that, yeah. So, in Ravens, if anyone is listening to this on our YouTube channel, if you go into our playlist for our read-along, I actually read uh, Ravens, so you can go and check it out yourself if you don't actually have a copy of this book but in Ravens Egwene is a few I think maybe six years younger than what she is in this book when we meet her all oh, right so this is um, Egwene younger than what she is yes. now is she? okay so she's kind of talking about it's a preparations in, in time for spring and it's all about the men are shearing the sheep and the women are helping with X and Y and the younger girls who are not old enough to braid their hair they carry water to help the sheep right. and help the shearing whereas the women who are of age to braid their hair are usually preparing food or tying ribbons to the bell tying pole etc okay. etc et so there's certain 
responsibilities that come when you're allowed to braid your hair. Right. And she's very much thinking about, she's wishing her life away. She wants to be older. She wants to be able to braid her hair. She wants these responsibilities. This is something that we're seeing here now in that she's braiding her hair and she's saying, I will be busy in the morning because she's now going to be busy with the adult things. She's not right. going to be fetching water anymore. She is not going to be able to be carefree. She is now a grown woman with responsibilities. And she's basically saying to Rand, it's about time you got yourself some responsibilities too. And that's what that sort of interaction is about there. Now, because I know you're going to sit there and say, this is another example of a woman just starting on a man and calling no, him no, dumb. No, no, hold that's on. That's where that comes from. Okay. I'm not saying women are bullying the men. I'm just saying in this whole series, right, the Wheel of Time series, there's a duality between men and women. Yes, there is. So that's all I was saying. And at times it seems like the men are complete idiots who... <laughs> joking, I just knew that would work. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, here we freaking go. <laughs> so, also this chapter is about the peddler, and we haven't really spoken about Padden Fane, and oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't really want to say too much about him, because I feel like there's a lot more that we're going to learn about Padden Fane, um, and a lot more room for us to talk about him, but obviously we do know that he is this hound of the dark one, and he's kind of had his eye on these boys for ages, and Rand actually says something about it's only in the last few years that Padden Fane has even paid attention to them. Yeah, that's he it. never paid attention yeah. to them before so we can know there that in those few years that's where the dark one has done what he's had to do um to yeah. get pad and fame to the place where he is and also with pad and fame um he's likes being the center of attention you know he wanted the crowd to be silent and hang off his every word and he certainly wants to feel important he certainly wants to feel in control and he certainly wants to feel a certain power i feel and... that you've got to give him that respect though because he comes in with eight horses pulling a big <laughs> car that's like the perks equivalent... of being a dark friend <laughs> Look, i'm telling you that's like the equivalent of a mercedes <laughs> bmw like he's coming yeah he's yeah. coming like in style not just one little horse pulling a car Eight horses, yeah. a big car. There's this, um, I don't remember where I've read it, but Harriet used to say that she would know when Robert Jordan has written about Pad and Fane, because mm. he would be a lot more like you know intense when he would like come out the room. Yeah. So there, there was that as well. Yeah, he would have to adopt into that character and touch into that character. Sort of bleed into yeah. him. Yeah, he's an incredibly dark and twisted character. One I'd like to spend a lot more time on, so we'll maybe leave it for another episode. So chapter four. Is the Gleeman. It's the Gleeman. Tom, Tom. Marilyn. Tom is such an interesting... Right off the bat, Tom is such an interesting character. There's so much I want to know about Tom. So you've got the fact that he's he's a Gleeman now, but he wasn't always a Gleeman. He was a court bard. He was... Um, the lover of Morgays. Queen Morgays of Andor. He's very um, politically well-connected. And he knows the game of houses. He knows the game of houses. He's very, very well in endowed in that sense <laughs> down to his knee <laughs> down to his knee in that sense um the great thing uh about tom is he's he's very he's a guy who's in the know he knows everything you just get that sense that tom is the kind of guy that knows everything yeah. um and he's a very good guy to have on your side now the backstory of tom um in terms of tom's history is that the reason he became a gleeman um, and kind of left court, uh, the royal courts and stuff, was because his nephew, Owen, was a male channeler, and he was a male channeler that the Aes Sedai gentled. 
and Tom feels a great sense of guilt for the fact that he couldn't get to Owen before the Aes Sedai did. Tom finds out that his nephew, Owen, can channel, mm -hmm. and that there's Aes Sedai from the White Tower that are going to meet him. So mm -hmm. Tom leaves the court, he doesn't tell her, he just leaves overnight and run and rushes to try meeting Owen. Mm -hmm. What happens is that the Aes Sedai, the Red Ajar, gentle Owen on the spot. They don't take him back to the tower, which no. is tower law. Which they're supposed to. Yeah, take him back to the tower and gentle him there. Mm -hmm. And that's where Tom's problem comes in. Morgays basically... Call him a traitor. And sentence him to death, yeah. so he had to run. A guy goes to rushing to save his family and a woman wants to sentence him to death for that. Uh, well, that's, that's not about a woman, that's about a queen and that's very different Psh, standards. Queen still though, isn't it? It's like the dude goes to save his family. family. Oh, I certainly, I, I completely empathise with Tom here. But I'm just saying that that's, you can't compare a woman to a queen because, you know, queens generally are outrageous and outlandish and ridiculous. So, well, you know, yeah, we've all, on her, and we've all met Elaine, <laughs> you know, women aren't like this. Yeah. But the other interesting thing about Tom, Tom isn't the best guy. You know, people love Tom. People are always like, Tom's great. He's such a good guy. I don't think he is a good guy. There's certainly things about Tom that are highly questionable. Right. Uh, for example, he has killed two kings. Allegedly. He's the real kingslayer. Uh -uh. <laughs> yeah. But allegedly, allegedly, it no, can't he, be proven. He has killed two kings. He tends to find himself in some very shady situations. I mean, he says right here in this chapter, did I see Padden Fane in there? He knows who Padden Fane is. Now, Padden Fane is seriously like deep in the deep dark web of dark friends. <laughs> oh, come on. No, and I, no. yet, Tom knows who he is. Tom knows who he is. You no. can't disagree with that. It I says know, so in the books. Yeah, he didn't. He it knows says who in Tom, the books. Tom knows who Padden Fane is. Yes. But you've got to understand. I'm about to explain it to you, right? Padden Fane is a peddler. So peddlers are always out and about, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to village to village. Tom is a gleeman mm -hmm. who go to villages to villages. So you've got to imagine that... You if they cross paths. Correct. That's it. There you go. You've answered it for yourself. No, I'm just asking you if that's what you're that's suggesting. What's, that's what's happened. It's like, you know, you've probably, you know, Tom's probably been performing at an inn and Padding Fane's turned up because, you know, paths cross. Paths cross. No, that's... And you don't know. There might have been travel companions at one point because, you know, safety and numbers and all that. Again, I'm not denying that, but I do think it's quite shady that he knows who Padden Fane is. I suppose at least the good thing is is that he says Padden Fane is not a good guy, but then, to be completely fair, all dark friends hate each other anyway. They're not exactly the nicest bunch. No, they want to always get trying to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's something about Tom that's a little bit off. And certainly uh, there's the incident in Whitebridge where he gets attacked by a Merdral but somehow survives. Now, Merdrals have Thakandar blades, which are basically poisonous. If you get hit by one, if you get cut by one, you're going to die. Unless you get healing from an Aes Sedai, you're going to die. I think that's what happens though, doesn't it? It says that he got healed by an Aes Sedai no, last minute it doesn't i'm pretty sure it no. did but anyway, he, he got a limp the, out of it. He, he, he's limping yeah, because but of there's, it. Yeah, there's a hole there. Whether it's an intentional hole. And also, there's something very, very interesting. The first time we hear Lan talk, one of the first things he says is that he doesn't trust Tom. Now, Lan is an excellent judge of character. Don't you say he's married Nynaeve because I will hit you. But he is an excellent judge of character. And he knew right there that something wasn't quite right about Tom. 
I'm just saying it could it could very well be a red herring early on to make you think that. Certainly, that's something that a Lam- lot of a lot of authors do. Or it Lam's could a geezer. Be, or it could be that Robert Jordan initially intended for him to be a dark friend, but saw how popular he was and maybe changed his mind. Okay, look, you know, I'm just putting it out there. I I understand, and you know, to a certain extent, agree with some of the bits that you said. Now, you don't have to walk completely in the light, and if you're not walk, walking completely in the light, it doesn't make you a dark friend. Like you can still be a dick, but <laughs> you know, be a nice, but not worship the devil per se. <laughs> You know, it doesn't matter. It's like, I could be... I know that guy. <laughs> I could be, like, robbing people. I could be murdering people. But I draw the line at worshipping the dark one. So that doesn't mean he's necessarily... But that still makes dark you friend. an evil person. It doesn't if you're murdering it... people, you're an evil person. It's not evil if it's self-defence, right? Um, I'm pretty sure both of these kings were stabbed in the back. I don't think it was self-defence. But you don't have any proof that he killed them. But it's you... allegedly. No, allegedly. He did. He admitted that he does he did it okay then explain this to me right mm. if he killed these two kings Morghese's husband at the time Tergerine Tarangel that guy was Moraine's cousin from what I understand uncle no no that was a cousin uncle okay uncle cousin whatever they were related uh-huh. he kills Tarangel Tarangel so he kills Tarangel and that's Moraine's cousin uncle whatever uncle. yeah whatever right and she, and if he did actually kill this person, Moraine knows this. So why would Moraine get in bed with the person that's killed one of her family members? Because in Karine, that's probably like a huge turn on. They oh, play the game of houses oh, in their on. sleep. This isn't the Sean Chan, man. Come I'm on. I'm telling you, they play the game of houses in their sleep. This isn't high blood Sean Chan sure style. I'm pretty sure that like, it's probably really sexy to do something like that. And so, it's probably a major turn Okay, on. I'm glad you said that. So you agree that Moraine gives into her basic urges, right? I think she got trapped <laughs> in the Tower of Genji for God knows how long and probably did have some urges. Well, not- but I also don't agree with the Tom and Moraine relationship. I, I disagree. I with think that as well. it was completely forced. I don't think it made any sense whatsoever. And to be completely honest, they would have rather have seen a relationship between Moraine and Swan. And yeah, I, is there is there a relationship between them? <laughs> well, they were pillar friends, and I would have very much liked to have seen them meet up again, and maybe there'd be something there. I you just know, think I that would have they, been far more believable. I hope they touch more on that in the actual TV show. I, I, I'm sure you do. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you do. I'm all for, um, I'm sure for the pillow the friends. <laughs> I'm all for the pillow friends. I'm like, you know, elaborate on those scenes if you want to. But speaking about Moraine and Tom, without going into the details of their relationship let's talk about them here in this chapter they know each other right well i reckon i think that tom recognizes her as an Aes Sedai. i think that tom recognizes her not only as an Aes Sedai, but also as moraine de modred no and i also think that she recognizes him as tom Marilyn, someone who has been in the courts no okay i'm gonna tell you why i think this Tom knows the game of houses. Tom is politically well connected. He was in Camelin at the time and probably um, in Korean as well at the time. He would have known, therefore, the name, at least, Moraine de Modred. He would have known that. If he killed the uncle, you can bet he knows the entire family tree to find out what the risks are. Because he's a smart guy. So he would know Moraine de Modred. He would know that name. And okay, I will give you, I'll give you that. 
He would also know that she went to the White Tower. He would also know that she became an Aes Sedai. And he would also know that she would become an Aes Sedai of the Blue Ajar. He would know these details because he's a guy in the know. No, that's everything. way too much. That's way, no, that's way too much. I think you're giving Tom far too he much credit for that. He would know this stuff. And then, on top of that, she introduces herself as the Lady Moraine. Now, Lady Moraine would have been her name in Korean court. Yes, but she's not going to go around saying, I'm an Aes Sedai, I'm an Aes Sedai, No, she? she's not. He recognises that she's an Aes Sedai by the ageless face. He knows what to look for. He yes. knows what he's looking for. And he's certainly on edge because he doesn't like Aes Sedai because of what they've done to his nephew, Owen. Yes. However, he also recognises the name. There's a recognition in the name Moraine, Lady Moraine, he will go, she's in court. Also, he would recognise that she's Korean as well because they are very much described as being short, dark hair, pale skin. There's a certain thing that is recognisable in that I think race I, of yeah, people. I think I understand where you're getting at, but I disagree. The reason is quite simple. They are probably a thousand tens of thousands of women called Moiraine. If she had said, um, the Lady de Modred, then I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. But Moiraine? Nah. I think he recognises the name. And I think she recognises him too. She's been in court. She's no doubt seen Tom Marilyn play or perform at some point. He might be far older now. I just think there's a recognition there. She says to him, the world is a dangerous place for strangers. It's a soft threat. It's a... I won't say anything about who you are as long as you don't say anything about who I am. Yeah. Shut your mouth and we can just go about our business. <laughs> That's what it is. So that does suggest that not only am I telling you don't say who I am, but also I won't say who you are in exchange. There's there's just subtlety in the words there. Certainly the first time you read it, you don't pick it up. But the second time, you definitely do. And I will fight you on this because I just really believe that they do know each other. Okay, you know what? Let's just put this out to the comment. What do you guys reckon? Do you think that there is a personal acknowledgement and understanding between the two that Tom and Moraine actually know one another? Or do you think it's just Tom uh, seeing that she's an Isodite and Moraine friend? threatening him saying yo don't expose who I am <laughs> you guys decide I personally think he recognizes she is an Aes Sedai and that's it well um I think that's it well I'm glad to say that this one's coming to an end oh thank god yeah you've been you've been so difficult with this one it's like it's not been a pleasure I tell you that but um before we go I just wanted to congratulate Asherman Valant for reaching rank of well Asherman congratulations and oh, that came out very strange. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd also like to welcome Oceana into the Black Tower. Yes. We look forward to your progress. That's going to be one to watch. I agree. Um, well, obviously, we have a new Amarlin uh, with Helena, uh, a new Keeper of the Chronicles, Alina yeah. Sadai of the Blue Ajar. And um, we have to congratulate the new mistress of novices, Kahira Sedai, and the new mistress of Accepted, uh, Arelli Sedai. Also, uh, Lorena Sedai of the Green Ajar has been raised to Captain General. Yes. So Congratulations, everybody. That's awesome. We've got some really, really big news this week. Lots and lots of uh, things happening over a week of the world. And also, the reason why we couldn't record last week was because we were... We were doing all this. We were so busy doing all of this. But back to our regular scheduled programming. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Next week, we will be uh, reading chapters Winter's Night. Winter's Night and, and the Into the Woods. Yeah. Into the Woods, yeah. So Winter's Night and Into the Woods. That yeah. should be awesome. I'm looking forward we, to those. We'll be breaking that down. I guess we're going to meet some Trollocs. Or a particular Trolloc. Or a particular Trolloc. This is going to be fun. <laughs> okay. So, until the Wheel of Time turns. May the light be with you. <laughs>